0: or follow-up comments, contact us anytime by emailing info at broadwaycoc.com. I'm Jed Lovejoy, and these are Conversations with Dan. Well, hello everybody and welcome to another one of our conversations here with Dan. Uh, What's up? It's always great that you're tuning back in and they continue to share and watch the different videos. I always want to remind people, maybe this is your first one, that these are also available as a podcast. So if you're viewing them on
1: Facebook or YouTube, you can go to your podcast areas and take them with you wherever you go. Can you download a podcast to your phone? Is that what you do? Yes. Sometime you'll have to show me how to do that. Go ahead. And back, yeah. and <laughs> I'll tell you, podcasts come in handy
0: when you're stuck on a highway for two and a half hours. I'm sure. <laughs> there you go. So they're available in a wide variety of ways, and we hope that they're useful tools wherever you may be. Now, this week's question, we're going to be in Luke chapter 3. Among other places. Among other places. It's where we're going to start. But you, this question came
1: to you, so I'll let you phrase... How the original questioner sent it to you. Well, we were talking in the Gospel of Luke about John's baptism, and the person wanted to know more about what does this mean when John speaks of the coming of Christ, who would baptize them in the Holy Spirit and fire. Mm-hmm. So in order to really get what I think is going on here, uh, there's a couple things necessary. Sure. Um, let's go back in the context up here to... Um, Luke chapter 3, verse 7, and uh, John was in the desert and he was uh, preaching this baptism of repentance, Mm -hmm. preparing people for the Messiah. And it says that a bunch of people came out to be baptized by him. And then John said, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that God is able out of these stones to raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So if you go back to verse 7, he warns them of a coming wrath, Mm -hmm. and he tells them that everyone that does not produce the fruits of repentance is going to be like trees that are cut down and thrown into the fire, then then people, there, there seems to be sort of a separation of people going on here. Yeah. People that repent and turn to God and comply with what John is saying, and people that don't repent and turn to God and comply with what John is saying.
0: I, I know I said this to you earlier, but... The picture that we get in like Bible class John the Baptist, and then you read stuff like this: John the Baptist
1: was quite the firebrand, yeah, he probably looked like you, but stronger and heavier <laughs> anyway it, yeah it, so he he was a powerful person, so anyway, he tells them what to do to repent in their individual the tax collectors and the crowd and the mm-hmm. soldiers, and then um verse. Sixteen. when they wanted to know if John was the Christ, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Mm -hmm. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So Jesus is going to be greater than John, and he's going to baptize them with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, we've already had a reference to fire. Back up in verse... Nine, excuse me, where he said those that don't repent will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Mm -hmm. But in verse 17, he refers to Jesus and he says his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor. A winnowing fork was like when they would dump the grain onto a a threshing floor. Big flat space. Yeah, big flat space. And it had all the stems and trash still in it and everything, mm-hmm. and the wind would be blowing. They would take this thing like a rake, a winnowing fork, and they would dig it in there and throw it up in the air, and the wind would blow the trash away, and the the grain would fall back to the threshing floor until yeah. the pile of grain was clean. Well, so it's a separation between the wheat and the chaff. Yeah. See? So immediately when he says he'll baptize with the Holy Spirit in fire, he says his, that's Jesus's, winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor, to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Well, to me, the unquenchable fire in verse 17 is the same as the fire in verse 16. It's a separation. Okay. There's one group that's going to receive the Holy Spirit. That's the ones he gathers into the barn. The other group is going to be burned up with a fire, similarly to back up earlier when those trees that bring forth the fruits of repentance, mm-hmm. you know, So in all of these references to fire,
0: is it a negative connotation? Oh, absolutely. On every one of them. Absolutely. It's talking about punishment. So in verse 16, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit and with fire, it's not some sort of refining process that's being talked about Mm -mm. there.
1: Okay. No. Because
0: that's something that when I've heard this verse preached on its own, That reference to fire is usually pulled out as like, well, since Jesus is talking about it, it's a positive thing.
1: No, because see, if you go back up to verse seven, he says, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Mm. And then he warns them to produce the fruits of repentance if they want to flee from the wrath. And then he says down in verse nine, every tree that does not produce this fruit, that's the fruit of repentance, is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's not a good thing. Okay, That's a bad thing. So it's a consistent line of thought being presented It here. is. It's a dichotomous or division or a, or a, a separation type thing going okay. on here. Everybody, according to Jesus, yeah. or according to John here, Jesus is going to separate all people into two categories. Those that he baptizes in the Holy Spirit on the one hand, those he baptizes in fire mm. on the other hand, okay? And that's those that accept Jesus, those that don't accept Jesus. Okay. So now, it's not a combined, you're being baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It's, no.
0: It's a, you're it's he either baptizes or. with this and with this.
1: Right, because the team. next verse makes no sense if it's both and. Mm. You're separating the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. The wheat you gather into the barn, the chaff goes into the fire. So once again, you're saying context is important? It's not only important, it's the only way to understand anything. Okay. Now, in Luke-Acts, the thing about the Holy Spirit is huge. Mm -hmm. And in Acts 2, the prophecy of Joel reaches back into the book of Luke and forward into the book of Acts that in the last days the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all flesh. Yeah. There is certainly a... A lot of Holy Spirit activity in the Gospel of Luke, but there is also a promise that Jesus would be, uh, even to an either, even greater degree, giving the Holy Spirit to people after His death and resurrection. Right. Uh, for example, uh, in, in John's Gospel, in John seven thirty nine, it talks about the fact that. The Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Mm -hmm. So there was a sense in which Jesus was going to be the great outpourer of the Holy Spirit on people. Yeah, Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Read that one. Let's see. Uh, But
0: grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascends on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. All right. So
1: Christ ascends, then he gives gifts to men. Mm -hmm. Christ baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Yes, in Luke Acts, the apostles were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right. But I believe that what... John was referring to back here was the fact that in some sense, every Christian receives at least some measure of the Holy Spirit. All are recipients of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, when you're baptized in water, you're, baptized, you're, you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, there were certainly additional measures of the Holy Spirit that were given in special ways, like the gift of prophecy in tongues through the laying on of the apostles' hands, Mm -hmm. Acts 8 and Acts 19.6. But everybody in Christ gets the Holy Spirit. And um, there's something that they didn't get in Judaism that they do get with this relationship with
0: Christ. Could some of that come from like in the time that John the Baptist is preaching, there's still the temple and the Holy of Holies. And that's kind of where God's spirit is contained, you know, sort of thing. Whereas afterwards that's part of the, it's all been let loose, so to say. Yeah. Um,
1: kinda, but, um, if you, if you go over, for example, to Galatians chapter three, Paul's explaining some of this. Okay. And, um, He's asking the Galatians how they got the Holy Spirit. Read their first two or three verses, Galatians 3. Galatians 3. "'O foolish Galatians, who has
0: bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit and are now being perfected by the flesh?' Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to
1: him as righteousness? All right. So basically he's asking them, did you get the Holy Spirit through your Judaism or through your relationship with Christ? And Hmm. obviously the answer is... Through Christ. It was through their Hmm. uh, relationship with Christ. So... Christ gives everyone who receives him the Holy Spirit hmm. in one form or fashion or another um, some of the biblical writers talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in in one way and some talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in another way like what? in, in uh, first Corinthians 12:13. Paul says to the Corinthians, in one spirit you were all baptized into one body, Mm -hmm. whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and you were all made to drink from the one spirit. Right. So all Christians, according to Paul, are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he equates that with water baptism that puts them into the body of Christ. So when you're baptized in water, Mm -hmm. you're baptized in or by the Spirit and you're admitted to drink from the reservoir of the Spirit. Which goes back to that passage in Acts 2.38. Sure. Okay. Sure. So, contextually, I know that there were, you know, there were the apostles experienced this in a a special way in Acts 2. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it says that they were baptized in the Spirit. But the comments of of John the Baptist in Luke 3 are too broad and too the way it's set up in that context everybody's going to be baptized by Jesus either in the holy spirit or fire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So some have tried to say that 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 statement in Luke 3 is just about the apostles. But that doesn't fit what you see in the entirety of of Acts and Luke. Because hmm. Luke's center or heartbeat in Acts two, it's gonna come about in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Ron. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. You know, your old men shall see visions, your young men shall dream dreams, yea. I will pour out my spirit upon my servants and my handmaidens in those days, says the Lord. So there is a generalized outpouring of the Spirit through Jesus Christ that just the experience of the apostles on Pentecost doesn't cover it. Hmm. Um, So my belief is, based on strictly the context of Matthew 3, Luke 3, that Jesus is the divider of humanity. He's going to either baptize you in the Holy Spirit or In the fiery wrath of God, one or the other, depending on whether you accept Jesus or you don't accept Jesus. Does that mean I think everybody speaks in tongues or something? Not at all. And the Scripture doesn't bear anything like that out. But all Christians receive the Spirit of God in some way. And I think we've done another video
0: more in-depth on that statement about kind of the differentiation between the Holy
1: Spirit's continued presence and things like that. And the gifts of the Holy Spirit and those that were temporary and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yes. But yeah, that's uh, the context of it does make so much more, it helps that passage make more sense. Mm -hmm. And especially, even if you're approaching it as someone who doesn't know as much about the in-depth words and things, I think if you read Luke Acts, as we've talked about, because it is that context of one writer telling one continuous story.
1: Well, and... And if you go back in Luke here, for example, mm-hmm. um, if you go to um, Luke chapter 1, verse 15, okay. you'll notice at the end of that verse, talking about John the Baptist, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Mm. Uh, go down to Luke 1, 41, where you're talking about Elizabeth. Read Luke 1, 41. 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And exclaimed in a loud voice. Mm-hmm. What does that go. mean? Well, she's, she's prophesying. Yeah. If you go over to Luke 1, 67, similarly.
0: Okay, 1, 67. And, and his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit
1: and prophesied. All right. Uh And then when you come over here to Luke chapter 2, verse uh, 25, read there. 25.
0: Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple, and when this parent, there's a lot about the spirit
1: in there, isn't there. There's a whole lot. It's not just the. And fossils. then he makes this prophecy, sort of like Elizabeth and Zacharias and Mary did, and and then you drop down to Luke two verse thirty six, and what do we find there? And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of. Why they're just coming out of the woodwork? Yeah, you're... you got your John the Baptist, you got your Elizabeth, you got your Mary, you got your Zacharias, mm-hmm. you got your Simeon you got your Anna. Yeah. And then you've got Jesus being baptized in the Holy Spirit coming down on him, see? And and John introduces Jesus to the people and says, he's got his winnowing fork in his hand. He's hmm. going to separate the wheat from the chaff, and he's either going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit or in fire. So this is part of the story of God bringing his spirit back in the last days and the... the um, Salvation being given to all people, offered to all people. So. And so that keeps that passage in chapter 3 from really trying to be defined as
0: just the apostles. When it's yeah. happening in lots of ways to lots of different people, and then right. Jesus says, now it's going to be available to all who come to me, basically. That's it. That's it.
1: Hmm. Okay. And when you, when you get over to Acts, if you'll flip over there all the way to Acts, yeah. when the apostles quote this... Um, this um, Joel passage in Acts two seventeen. Yeah. Of course, they were told they were going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Right. And they, the Holy Spirit did come upon them on Pentecost. But you'll notice um, in verse sixteen of chapter two, Peter says this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Mm-hmm. Some interpreters say, well, that means that the only fulfillment of Joel's prophecy is what happened to the apostles. No. What happened to the apostles was one more example mm. of what Joel was prophesying. Because if you read the prophecy, sons and daughters, no daughters in the apostles. Yeah. Servants and handmaids, no handmaids in the apostles. And then he, he mentions wonders and signs in 219. Mm-hmm. And if you drop down to 222, notice what Jesus was doing in his Uh, Men of
0: Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works
1: and wonders and signs. See those wonders and signs in 2.22? Mm -hmm. Go back up to 2.19. I will show wonders and signs. And then if you go down to Acts chapter 2 and verse 43. What do we read about in 2.43? That says, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs wonders and signs you say, wonders and signs for the apostles, wonders and signs back there for Jesus, wonders and signs in the Joel yeah. prophecy, and then you come over here to chapter six, excuse me, chapter uh yeah, seven, chapter seven. Wait a minute. There is one in chapter 6. Let's see. It's uh, verse 8. Okay. Verse
0: 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and
1: signs. How about them apples? (laughs) Wonders and signs, wonders and signs. Where's he getting these wonders and signs? He's getting them out of Joel, which is Acts 2.19. Hmm. And then you go over here to Philip, and he goes to Samaria, and you've got him doing the signs in eight six and in 8.13 and etc. What I'm saying is, yeah. what I'm trying to t- say, and I know it may not come across as readily to the audience, you can trace this theme from the beginning of Luke's gospel all the way through the book of Acts. Okay. And so to narrow that statement of John the Baptist down to only applying to the apostles, first of all, doesn't fit the context in... Right, in that three. passage. Yeah. And it doesn't fit the feeling of this theme being all the way through Luke, Acts. Yeah. So let's summarize. In the passage in Luke 3, it's my view that John is simply saying there is a separation going on here. God is separating wheat from chaff through the preaching of John and more especially through the preaching and the redemptive work of Jesus. Right. And either you're going to be wheat or chaff. You're either going to get the Holy Spirit or the fire. And there's no other choice. One of those two. Okay. Butter, bean. Butter, (laughs) butter. (laughs) (laughs) boom. And
0: so we can go through and look at that. And I'm sure there's still some people that are going, but all the Holy Spirit stuff. I would encourage
1: them to go look at one of the other videos. Or ask another question. Ask another question. The question was over just what is the meaning of that passage? Yeah. In the book of Luke. And you can also read Matthew 3 where you have the exact same thing said there. Matthew chapter 3. Okay. Well, thank you for that. It's all about context. If the context doesn't support the meaning, it can't be right. Yeah. Trying to pull out one verse and make it say something. Right. All right.
0: Well, thanks again for the questions. Keep them coming. Y'all have a good week. Thanks again for listening to these weekly conversations between myself and Dr. Dan Owen. Conversations with Dan is an outreach and teaching ministry of the Broadway Church of Christ in Paducah, Kentucky. You can find us online through most of the major social media sites or through our website, broadwaycoc.com.